Episode 229, the Tyler Naquin average episode. But unlike Tyler Naquin, we have a home. <laughs> All right, this is part two of a three-part Outfield Dynasty ranking episode. Tonight, we dive into the top 50. It's time for Dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's obviously Tyler O'Neill that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs joined as always by Robbie Baseball from the Murder Room. What's up, Robbie? Oh, nothing. Just retweeting. Uh, retweeting. Look at you. Retweeting go. the live chat. No. I didn't hear What's your. I didn't hear you unflip your phone. Oh, well, this is a new phone, just so we're oh. clear. I mean, I do have the dad wallet. Flip. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, I do have the dad wallet attached. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, that that's my life. Uh, yeah, my phone for over a year wouldn't charge properly without like really finagling it in there. And then as soon as my wife's phone started to have some issues, she's like, I looked it up. It'll be, you know, 14 more dollars for us both to get a phone um, for the next two years more than our existing plan but we'll get some other datas and things and i'm like sure um can you spot me 14 bucks a month so she said <laughs> that she would so now i've got a new phone and then i got this i had to re replace my dad wallet uh slash phone case so uh, but it's too new so it's that's why it won't close you know i gotta put the big bills on the outside which are i've got no bills I got no bills. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we're we're at episode two of the the outfield here. We covered a uh, pretty wide range, sixty guys last episode, uh, and you know we're into meat and potatoes. We're into redraft territory. We're into the guys that win and lose you championships in a very very big way. Uh, last episode we talked a lot about guys that are coming, guys that are on the cusp. We got a little bit more substance this week in terms of impact for this season, so it's gonna be exciting. Uh, before we get into any of that, though, you know what we got to start with. A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. Oh, that sounded good. That's a fresh bottle, is what that is. Oh, that mine didn't girl, really make the noise. I don't know why, but like since I grabbed this off of my shelf tonight, like all I've been thinking about is like Austin Powers and Basil because I have Basil Hayden. Mm, um, Basil, Basil Hayden. Mm -hmm. I don't really know well, why that was the thing. Like I haven't seen Austin Powers in what feels like a decade. Um, yeah. So I, re I really don't know why that was top of mind, but it, but it happened. Uh, I heard random movie trivia fact that uh, Austin Powers 2, he wanted to call it Austin Powers 2 Electric Boogaloo based on the sequel of that other movie that 
had was electric boogaloo but the stu whatever studio wouldn't go for it so anyway i'm drinking stella artois tonight um wow in a bottle in a glass bottle uh because other things in there are stupid like it says uh, and if you, and if you think we're stupid and you want to troll us find like us on juice twitter or milk let's go that's right like juice or milk uh find us on twitter at dingers pod find ty at tourney boss and good luck finding me at robbie baseball one um we are happy to answer your questions there and uh, because we are close but not yet done dynasty rankings the moment that's over we've got and we are locking and loading on an episode that will be uh, questions, Q&A, as far as um, what do you think should happen with your roster? And we are in a draft right now, Ty, that we were just kind of talking for much longer than we thought we'd be um, yeah. in a 24-team 8 by 8 that is has a universal draft, which is any player that is signed by an MLB team, rookie or veteran, goes into this. And the max contract that a veteran can get is five years. But... Um, a lot of them will rotate through and we were just discussing how interesting it is and how you can, you can say every pick is a bad pick because you really just draft in that league for what works for your roster. And if you're drafting a prospect, you might have a player like a stud who's in your system for five years at the MLB level. So there's no need for you to, in theory, you know, draft two more of that, that position unless it's outfield or something. So it's, I'm, it's I'm a like really saying. fun draft. I'm really excited yeah. because I get to participate in this league for the first time this year, right? My team <laughs> has been so bad for all of the years of this league because it just blew up on me. Um, and then it hit the pandemic and, and I'm just really excited to be involved because I haven't been. So I was, I've been chirping everybody in, in the league and they're probably like, what's this guy's deal? Because I haven't <laughs> been able to really say anything. Yeah. Up until this they're morning. like, what's up? Yeah. What's up last place. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you'll see fellas. You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> But the fun part of this league really is that you can, I mean, we are whatever, 70 picks maybe into this draft right now. Um, you can really start to see what some teams did early, but it doesn't mean that they're not going to immediately switch the strategy because they were filling either holes within their system or more likely filling holes at the MLB level. And they wanted to get some veterans in who are starters, very much like what we're going to cover with the episode tonight. There's going to be very few prospects and a lot of guys who have guaranteed spots on their MLB team for the next five years. So, but before that tie, we do have some hot news to cover and there's a little, a little bit that's going to hurt my feelings towards the end of this hot news. Um, but I mean, may as well get happy off the top here because I mean, we got the one, the one right at the beginning hurts my yeah. feelings. <laughs> we, <laughs> it hurts your feelings. It makes me feel really good, but also I'm questioning uh, Dylan Moore got a three year extension with Seattle. Eight, thank you, Jerry. And this one, you might say, are you sure, Jerry? Um, but I think the idea once was, like I mentioned on the podcast and repeating what he had said, he being Jerry DePoto, uh, he thought Dylan Moore could have been a Josh Donaldson franchise type guy. I think now he sees Dylan Moore as a super versatile player that can steal a base when he wants to steal a base, which makes him a valuable player defensively for him because he can move around and play the positions, but also the fact that he can just come in to a game wherever. And it doesn't really look like he's got a solidified starting spot anywhere with Seattle this year, unless it's going to be second base. But I think he's just going to move around a lot and just help the team ideally to not have stretches, you know, where they're losing five, six in a row. Um, 
And one of the things that they also did Seattle, this is, is DFA former top 100 ish, you know, back end of the top 100 list, justice Sheffield starting pitcher who from the moment he was drafted, had a lot of people questioning what, whether he would be able to make it as a starter. And, um, he was, I wonder what that trade was that brought him. Uh, um, I feel like that was one that had shed long in it. Maybe like that was a, a long, long time ago. Um, but anyway, since he he came from the the Yankees, but there was a trade where Shed Long, I believe I'm right in this, went from Cincinnati to New York and then immediately to Seattle or something like that. So anyway, it's not a big deal. Like oh, maybe it was James Paxson. I think it was James Paxson trade. Yeah, I think you're right. When he went to the Yankees, that was a long yeah. time ago. Good yeah. for me. Uh, anyway, so he's he's out of the system now, or at least it looks like he's going to be. I'm I don't know that anyone would claim him, so he could go back. But uh, those are a couple of uh, Mariner moves. And uh, one that I think is kind of interesting switching to San Francisco. And confirm is... Justice she- Sheffield packs and trade. It is. Yeah. Great. Look at me go. Um, San Francisco has signed to a minor league deal, often injured starting pitcher who everybody used to really like as a sleeper, Joe Ross. Uh, San Francisco has a lot of these veteran guys, and he's just going to be one that's down at AAA. And maybe we could see a handful of starts, but I certainly wouldn't give any weight to him in fantasy right now. You got to have a a terrible roster and a lot of roster space to consider a guy like Joe Ross uh, in the middle of your off season. Yeah. And I mean, I think the catching position in San Francisco fits that bill of being terrible. Um, they, they brought in Roberto Perez to be a guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I got to assume this is a defense first backup thought, but also a safety net in case Bart continues to just not hit the baseball. Um, so, you know, you're at that point with that, that prospect. So you got to take a look at that. Danny Duffy went to Texas. Like this one for me is really interesting. I don't quite understand the decision here. Like, I I mean, assuming Danny Duffy got other offers, right. I don't understand why he would want to decide on Texas. And I, and I certainly don't understand why Clint Frazier went there behind him. Like, well, it's not not Clint anymore, right? It's his, he did legally change his name, but, but it was written, um, where did I see it? I, I saw his actual name, which unfortunately I'm forgetting on one MLB site. And then it was on MLB trade rumors that I saw him listed as Clint. And I thought that's interesting that they're kind of like choosing not to say his name. And this is like the whole Mike Stanton thing all over again, Mike and Giancarlo, where it took, you know, it took some adjustment time, but anyway, Clint also isn't an MLB or Ty just wants him to be one. So Jackson. I think Frazier Jackson, thank you. I, I think Jackson Frazier has a better shot of making an impact on the Rangers if he gets hot in AAA than Danny Duffy does because he's going to have to either be in the bullpen, which means he's done starting, or he's going to go which down is to AAA. Which a possibility, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. I mean, absolutely a yeah, possibility. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, um, he's certainly not lacking stuff, that's for sure. Just lacking of, structural integrity in his elbow. <laughs> think of the Rangers, just like three guys off the top of my head with Duffy now that are not going to be starters that could be within that depth. And that's Spencer Howard, um, Glenn Otto, who had a pretty good 2022 and just like got taken out of roster, uh, starting rotation, sorry, consideration because of free agent signings. And now Danny Duffy's there is like a, another depth piece. Um, it, it could be hard for Duffy to carve time out depending on how Texas wants to, to do it, but he might also have one of those uh, if he's not on the MLB roster by dates, you know, like where they can they can leave. So that's what we get into this time of the year, right? A lot of those uh, 
contracts that are good for the player and they could work for the team if something happens in spring training. So, mm-hmm. uh, but, but good old Zach Greinke's going back to KC for another year. I got to say, Ty, not a big fan of this move because they do need to figure out what they have with guys with options left, you know, otherwise, but this is just going to give another 30 starts to Granky and sell a few more jerseys, but probably not a lot. Cause like, he's not nice to fans. So I mean, I think, <laughs> I think this is the old, like, all right, Dickie, like we just need a guy that we can count on for some innings. If the young kids suck. Right. right. And they certainly I, I, needed them last year when the young kids did suck. They really yep. did need them. So yeah, that pl- probably plays a bigger role than we think. Yep. And no, it plays a huge role because it's going to ruin your bullpen arms. And at the same time, if you want to maximize some of those guys on the trade market, which it sounds like they're trying to do, uh, then that certainly needs to be part of it. Um, Chad Green to the Jays. We talked about this before. I love this one. The more I've looked at it, the more I like it. I, I think when this when he comes back, like I think they're projecting midseason kind of thing. Like the Jays bullpen is very good all of a sudden, right? Like this, this puts them into the upper tier of bullpens uh with this signing assuming we see you know the majority of what chad green has been right uh, that's an assumption uh right. that we're gonna we're gonna have there but i like it uh yanni tack Diaz on to, sorry yeah, so i just ahead. tack on to that real quickly that they don't know what's going to happen with hundred ryu but if he's back in and around that same summertime and let's just say the jay's rotation is not hot dirty gangster fire um, then Ryu might not need to go into the rotation and they could say, well, we are paying you 20 million. So we'd like you to go into the bullpen and just like screw up roster, you know, screw up a, a sixth inning here and there. So that could lead to, whoops, that could lead to another lefty option in that Jays. Problem is though, like, just, I just don't know if SpongeBob can come out of the bullpen gate. Well, yeah, you're right on that. I, I just wonder if that could be a possibility because he's got yeah. so much money left. So he can't, you know, he shouldn't be saying no anyway. I, I think the Jays have a good problem in a team that most or a problem that most teams would love to have. Like they might have too many guys. That's that's a good problem in to the have. summer. Yeah. Yeah. Cause cause they're hurt now <laughs> instead of getting hurt in the summer. <laughs> well yeah, and the kicker is though, like you you have two guys, uh left handed arms, both that can pitch as a starter, right? In in uh you say uh, Kikuchi and in Ryu, both guys in a worst case scenario theoretically could be traded. Right, and neither contract yeah. is going to be too offensive for the other team to, to take, right? Because well, you got one year. still has another year left, though. Yeah, That's but it's good. it's only thirteen per. Like you can still like he still gets guys out, right? He just walks a ton, and and I'm I'm not saying he's going to go to the Yankees or like right. a competitive Down team. Like, I'm just saying, yeah. like if he's going somewhere, he's going to like the dumpster fires. Like he might end up, you know, well, a KC would be an example of you deal Granky. And yep. you give back Kikuchi and whatever to get the deal done Correct. so that, you know, it looks good. That that might let's let's pin that in for July. That Correct. Granky Granky Kikuchi trade. So, so anyway, I cut you off from the other ones. The one that I yes. knew you'd be excited about. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't really care about Yandy Diaz. Because, no, I you mean, don't care about listen, Yandy Diaz. Like, nobody, nobody's too concerned about a gym rat that can't hit home runs. Um, and and that's Andy Diaz, right? So he signed an extension. Good for him. He's a, he's a prototypical platoon, like elite guy that Tampa loves to hold on to. So perfect fit for Diaz. Perfect fit for Tampa. Obvious one. Pete Fairbanks, nasty stuff. He can stay healthy. Uh, gonna, gonna kind of bring some consistency to that back end of that bullpen, which they haven't had for a couple of years, right? Like they've really bounced new guys in. Like last year. There's like eight guys that had saves, like some like wild number, probably higher than that. Yeah. Um, 
But that's it. Josh Harrison to Philly. This is an interesting one, adding a little depth to that infield. Uh, this is a guy that could have probably signed with 10 teams. Uh, is a good fit as a bench bat. Has some fringe starter upside. I, I like this one, Robbie. I just don't know. Um, for him, I think he could have found more playing time. So I guess if he's chasing the ring, this is a great fit. I just think there was a better spot probably for him somewhere else. Yeah, no longer fantasy relevant, but a, a certain guy to watch if you see Bryson Stott go down or you mm-hmm. see Trey Turner go down, then Josh Harrison could absolutely become the everyday second baseman in Philly the day after that you know injury hit. So um, Jeff McNeil has signed an extension with the Mets. And just to be clear, Diaz and Fairbanks both signed extensions with Tampa. I know we just kind of yeah. talked about them. Uh, McNeil, four-year extension with the Mets. That's cool. We figured he had four years or more of MLB time left. So now we just know it'll be with, with the Mets. Um, an interesting one here. This is, we don't like to do the rumor stuff, but Matt Moore, just so everyone knows, he's going to sign with the team. There's enough, you know, groundswell coming that Matt Moore has interest. He's going to sign somewhere as a relief pitcher this year. He was fine last year. Um, if you are in a points league or a league that uses holds, you want to listen to the fact that Matt Moore is going to end up with a team and maybe you can get on it early. If your league has free agency or waivers are open right now and he's on them, um, he's on a team and you want to get an extra RP. That's the type of situation where Matt, right now, Matt Moore is an easy to acquire guy. Once he signs somewhere, especially if it falls into the realm where he could be uh, a seventh inning type guy, seventh inning or later, all of a sudden his value is going to go up because everyone's going to remember that he had a stretch of success early in his career so why couldn't he repeat it now yeah chris owings in pittsburgh this is a almost non-relevant deal at this point we've seen a couple brief windows of success for owens um but this is a minor league deal so i think very similar to what we talked about in the minor league scenarios earlier probably gonna be an opt-out a depth thing challenge some of the rookies to get prepared or, or they're going back down to the minors uh some of that fun stuff that the front offices do uh that's that one alex Colomay. Still kicking around. Still, everyone says he's eventually going to suck. He still continues to be the most terrifying closer, reliever, late-inning guy in, in the back end of any bullpen. Uh, he's in Washington. There's a good opportunity for him. Like, Tanner Rainey never took hold. Um, Finnegan's been okay. Uh, there, there's room for him in this back end of this bullpen, at least a, a minor level. Uh, whether he can stick out now that he's outside of Colorado again, Um uh, that's that's the debate, right? So, like that one, uh, we talked uh, about Baltimore a lot this offseason. They they bring in Cole Irvin. Uh, this is a pretty good trade. They gave up a little bit of a prospect to get it done. Um, but this is a soft-throwing lefty. The one thing I really like, Robbie, is just we talked about this last season. As a Jays fan, he, he prototypical for the guys that we have in our lineup. But for Baltimore, it's a guy that's going to give them innings. They need a little stability so they don't end up rushing Grayson or DL Hall. Yeah, you you need the buffer, and that's that's ideally where uh, you just got yourself some relatively cheap Kohler Ryan. Um, it, it's cool. Uh, you you did say Matt Duffy with the MILB deal to KC. We know we'll, well see no, him at some he point. Went, he went to uh, yeah. I, I skipped over Duffy. Okay. Uh, Duffy goes to Kansas City. We just know we'll see him at some point this year. Sorry, I was just placing a bid in a in an auction league. Funny enough, um, for Steven Strasburg because <laughs> I, can't quit, love, right? I yeah, can't, can't quit him. I can't quit him. Guys, you can't quit. <laughs> yeah, uh, Cal Raleigh, catcher Cal Raleigh. Turns out he had thumb surgery this offseason, 
F-U-C-K. Come on, guys. Um, make that stuff more publicly available. I am not excited about that. So I don't know what to say other than let's hope that it was not on his receiving hand. Let's hope it was his right hand, right thumb. Um, I'm not giving the thumbs up on that one, though. I don't like it. Well, uh, if it's if his thumb's not working, maybe it's just hanging off its thumbs down. Yeah, it is thumbs down at that point. I am. Uh, I'm also sad with the last one, Ty, because it's unconfirmed. But I mean, the fact that it's been reported, and I checked two spots: uh, Kalali prospect with the Mets under investigation for a potential assault issue. Uh, it does not appear as though it was against a female. I don't know. I didn't check all the sites. I just looked for the headline. Uh, I am hoping that this is not going to be an issue for him. Uh, my goodness, it, it it just better be a situation where it's very quickly cleared up. Um, you know, let's let's just get away from these kind of issues with pro pro <laughs> yeah. pro players. Um, yeah. You know, everybody well, in general, really. But and let's let's get into the top fifty here. And, yeah. and you know, I think the this is going to be an interesting list because we start to have some some guys that we're both high on uh, coming into this group that maybe a lot of people aren't ready for. But again, quick reminder off the top, we're talking five-year value when we're doing our list here. So, you know, if you're listening for the very first time and you're like, why is this guy in the top 50? Well, you know, in all likelihood, this is very, very much because we're talking about a scenario where uh, he's going to be there very, very soon if he's not already. So this top 50 has one of those guys in that list, uh, or this first group of five. At 50, we got Jock Peterson. Uh, this is a left-handed stick that's been doing it for a while. And, and frankly, he's settled into a nice little career here on the back half, Robbie, for a guy that disappeared for parts of previous years and then was absolutely clutch in pretty much every playoff scenario he's ever been in. Uh, he's really started to be a bit more of a consistent contributor. Uh, San Francisco is a great spot for him like this. I, I don't know that I can move him higher, Um and in my concern, I've got him further back than you do, Rob. You got him at 42. I came in at 67 for, for Jock. And my big reason is I just have concerns as he gets a little bit older. The swing and miss is going to start to tick in here. Um, and and I, I think on the back half of the five-year window we're entering, I think he's going to fall off a cliff. That's my expectation. Oh, um, okay. we're, we're losing the speed, right? Like, theoretically, like, he's a, he's still a fairly big body. Uh, so we're, we're the speed should come back down. That's going to impact OPS. You know, the strikeouts should tick up. I, I would make that assumption based on his profile right now. So that's my big concern there. I think we're going to see probably two and a half to three good years still. Uh, and then we uh, the fade should start coming. So that's where I dropped his value just a little bit. Ahead of him um, is Jesse Winker. There's still some some things in the tank here. Um, the, the upside is that he's a left-handed hitter with ridiculous right-handed splits. So, again, we talked about this last episode just on the lefty side of the splits. You get a little bit of an advantage because there's more right-handers than left-handers. But, man, does he suck against lefties. So, like, I just can't rank him as high as you got him. You're here at 41. I'm way back in the 60s at 65. Um, against the righties, he's he's as good as it gets. Against the lefties, he's real, real bad. So, um, I just can't put him higher because of that split. Uh, and, and probably the reality in a deeper Milwaukee outfield, he's going to miss a lot of at-bats late in games when the when the bullpen starts to do work. So that's kind of where I drop his value for him. A guy that I'm sky high on, Robbie, and, and you're way too far back on this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that. And we can debate this one because this is a good Yeah, idea. yeah, we're going to. Uh, I got Zach Veen here at 15. And, and I think we're going to see Zach Veen this season after the Super 2. 
I, I really just think that's what's going to happen. He's he's as good as it gets in, in the outfield prospect category for me right now. I there's other guys that are coming, but I just think he has the best skill set to come up really really quick. He's got the hit tool; it's going to play really well at Colorado. He's got the speed. He has so many really really good things here. I and, and there's going to be Colorado's going to have to do something to be better this year. Right. And it's certainly not coming from owner confidence. I don't know if you saw that quote this week, Robbie, or not. Um, no. He basically was at a some sort of luncheon thing. He said, I think we're gonna play five hundred balls. So like when you're when your owner aspires to be five hundred, that's not great. Um, so the only thing we gotta watch out for Zach Veen is him being traded away, which is what Colorado likes to do with the best players. So we'll we'll see how that happens. But I, I believe we're gonna see him this season, which is why I have him as high as I do. And I'm going to go really quick, and then I'll let you jump back yeah, yeah. on this fin- one. Yeah, finish the five, um, and then we'll go back. Is the stolen bases for Veen, I think, is why I'm willing to move him as high as I have him now, because I think that impact's going to be immediate um, and go from there. Um, sorry, um, and the next one ahead here, for me, is one of the hardest ones to pick this year. Um, and I'm I'm going to be cool on the Asian bats until they start to produce. Like we, we've, we have a long stretch of import bats now that just haven't done it. Right. And so Masataka Yoshida in Boston, great scenario for him, right? Like there's a lot of potential and he's, he's got a great fit for what he can do, but I got him at 71. You're at 30. I, I like the upside. I think he can be 30. I, I will say that. I think it's possible. I'm betting on the odds here for this one, Robbie, uh, based on the track record of other, players coming into the MLB from the Asian leagues. So uh, last in this group at 46 is Will Myers into Cincinnati. I love this, like love, mm-hmm. love, love, love this. But again, the outfield in Cincinnati is where production goes to die. So I, I'm also betting on that. So I put Will Myers right where he belongs at 69. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. The Myers thing, like he's the best outfielder in Cincinnati. Correct. And when the, when the fantasy community is like, who's going to be better, Will Myers or Jake Fraley, who was not good enough to be the fifth outfielder on Seattle last year. Uh, you got to wonder if they're just trying to write something, you know, yes. just trying to create Correct. content, as they say, because uh, this is Will Myers um, outfield to dominate. Let's just hope he can, you know, no yep. gloves dominate. And then as far as Yoshida goes with Boston, one of the reasons I like him at 30, because he's the highest guy I've got in this group. It, it has a lot to do with the fact he's going to walk in with a, a job day one and Boston doesn't have next man up going on right now. So he's going to have time to grow. He's also not 25 or younger. He's coming in at 29. He's been, you know, a, a home run champ. He's, he's, he's been a pro for 10 years, 11 years in the MPB. So this is somebody who should not get rattled and being on the Boston roster and the fan base should be happy to have him as opposed to going into Boston. I'm just hoping that he has a warm arrival and that production will come from him. And I mean, you know, screw the Red Sox and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, the player could be successful. Now, as for Veen, Ty, one of the issues that I have with him, and I am going back to, you know, I I flip-flopped on Veen now. I said when he was drafted, I don't like him. I, I think this is just a hype out of control situation. And I went into, I went into a deep go to RobbieBaseball.com and find me uh, on the blog stuff talking about how Zach Veen is, doesn't have to do anything as a pro and everyone's going to want to write about how great he is yet. Colorado doesn't produce 
players like everyone writes that he's going to be. So he's right. going to have to do something special. Well, what has he done that's special? Stolen a butt ton of bases as a pro. What's he got? Uh, 101 stolen bases in two pro seasons. That's great. What did he do last year when he was at A and double A? He hit 245. OBP, really good. 340. We'll take that. Um, yep. But the OPS, sub 725. That's not great. The power 12 home runs for a guy that's 20 years old is fine. But again, it's not light tower power you know um julio rodriguez was in the show at that age and then the saving grace for zach bean was that he went to the fall league and again as we've had to say a lot against bad pitching did very well but he did very well with one home run in 81 at bats so you want to see more from zach bean on the um be a good consistent hitter side it's great that he's stealing a whole bunch of bases that is good but we all know what happens when you get to MLB. The coaches say, stop. We don't want that out. We don't want you taking that chance. Uh, and even though he might run really crazy for like the first year he's up, it's not, he's not a 60 stolen base guy. He's not Bubba Thompson, basically. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna restrict him. And that's where my concern comes. And the fact that we have yet to see uh since Charlie Blackman, I think that's fair to say, since Blackman, we have yet to see the elite fantasy outfielder with Colorado. So, and that's what, like 12, 13 years ago that Blackman was, no, it was longer than that, that he was a prospect 12, 13 years, at least that Blackman's been a pro. So, yeah, and, and for me, like, <clears throat> if you look into like the splits a little bit longer and you take a look at what he was facing and what was happening, like, you know, you got to remember too, that he, he reached the level this year where he should have a decrease. Right. And this is where you can get a lot of value in acquiring guys like this is that he has the speed, he's going to play defense, he's going to have more hits in the Colorado outfield. All that stuff's going to happen here. Um, but the important piece here, and, and the thing I think a lot of people are going to miss, is you've got a left-handed bat that is going to have an increase in batting average. And so this is something that I think a lot of people are not even thinking about, hasn't even crossed their mind that, wait, there's going to be a bump in left-handed hitting in the minors. Right. Like no one's I don't think anybody's even thinking about that thought. Right. And so when you're talking about valuing these guys like like these are the kind of guys that you can absolutely take somebody to the cleaner on in a trade because they're not ready for that conversation. So, um, Robbie, do you want to trade me Zach Veen in any of the leagues that you have him? If if he's Zach Veen straight up for Nolan Jones. Nope. <laughs> no, that's not happening. No. Uh no, I I wouldn't deal Veen. And and again, to the to the guys out there who roster him, I've got him in one league right now. Um, and I was talking in trade about him in another league. Uh, but it it was on the other end. I think the guy that's got him is thinking they've got a superstar on their hands, and this league counts stolen bases, so that gives him that extra pop. And then you get to hear the the fascinating, well, when the power comes conversation, which I mean, <laughs> let's not get into that tonight. But anyway, uh, it's just something that I think everybody needs to just pump the brakes on. Remember, Colorado prospects are good at one thing, all of them, very consistently. They are good at disappointing us. So um, keep that in mind. It can be a slow burn with Veen. Uh, you know, cue the Garrett Hampson, uh, McMahon, you name it, they'll disappoint. And we just don't want Veen to do that. But I, you got to just be mindful of it. Anyway, let's get to better things. These are all players who absolutely have 
five years of MLB time left. Seiya Suzuki with Chicago, I think has four years left on his contract. He's going to play this year at 28. He's just an everyday outfielder, you know, 60, 60, 70, 70 type guy. When I say that, I'm referring to runs and RBIs. Um, you got Austin Hayes with Baltimore. There's potential, I guess, that he could end up as a fourth outfielder type, but he certainly has the ability to play in Major League Baseball for five years plus. And again, these are the types of guys who maybe they're not dazzling you, but they are roster or sorry, stat contributors, point contributors, depending on your format. Um, you've got uh, Jake McCarthy, who kind of came out of nowhere last year, uh, finished 44th in 8x8 um, to Austin Hayes finishing 40th, by the way. Uh, and again, in Arizona, there's playing time there. Uh, and then we got Andrew Benatendi, who has been such an interesting up and down guy for a few years now, uh, settling in with the White Sox, got himself a good contract. He is going to be in that outfield with uh, Luis Robert and maybe Eloy, maybe Oscar Colonis at some point. We'll just see what happens out there. Cespedes could join him, but we know Benny's going to be there. And then at 41, we've got the cheater Ramon Laureano, who once upon a time hit for power, and now I think is just going to really annoy fantasy people who are expecting more to happen from him. Um, he's like the Connor McGregor of fantasy outfielders. You know, he gets hurt or suspended, and everybody forgives it because, hey, remember that time when he ex exceeded expectations four years ago? Yeah, that's Ramon Laureano for you guys. Um, Ty, I, I've got a little bit on Jake McCarthy. I don't have anything on the other guys. Do you have anybody that you, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, say, I like say Suzuki to be a floor guy. I think that's one guy that I yeah. would be interested in grabbing in a lot of places. I think the team around him got significantly better. Like, I don't think they're going to win the World Series by any means, but like how bad they were last year versus where they're at now, I think there's a significant improvement on that front. So I think that's going to naturally bump Suzuki. I think he's going to have time to make adjustments. He's going to start to see the same pitchers again. He's going to make some adjustments, right? So I think there's a ton of room for improvement. A guy that I would do like a outside flyer to see 30 home runs out of, right? Like that that's here potential wise, whether we see it, I don't know, maybe, but like, as if you want to take a gamble somewhere on a guy that could have 30 home run pop, I, I like Suzuki on that front. I, I like Loriano to be a surprise this year too for fantasy. And, and there's two parts to that. I think he's going to be better for the A's. I think that's just a fact. He can't be a lot worse than he was last year. Um, but I think second half of the year, you got to remember he's a good defender. There's going to be a playoff team that wants Loriano to go play defense for them. So I think that value later in the year is worth an extra bump. Um, and, and I think, I believe he's headed to free agency after this season. Uh, I'm not sure if he is or not. Yeah, he signed. He signed through this year. So, um, okay. but then no, he's Arb he's Arb one right now. So he's got a couple years left. But you know, this, where Oakland is at, this could be something. Like if we see Pache step up, this could be a deal that Oakland does to get a haul. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time that they've done something like that. So that's the well, one guy. I think is just a really good buy low option, if I'm honest. Okay. Um, on my end for McCarthy, this is more for the McCarthy guys who are out there uh, trying to get him and paying a lot and or uh, looking to acquire early in a draft. Just note that last year was basically the career year for Jake McCarthy. So his batting average of 283, which was in MLB, is his highest um, since his 2018 season which was at rookie and a ball. And he was 20 years old at that point in time. So 
power is not his thing. He is an all-round guy, an OBP league guy. He's going to be pretty solid for you. And I would just assume we can pencil in 20 stolen bases the next three, four years. We could see it drop after that. But we've already talked about ways in which that could increase. So he's had 29 and 23 stolen bases the last two seasons. Um, that's combining minor league and major league for both of those years. Uh, keep in mind that he is, again, not a power bat. Only six dingers between two leagues last year, 11 the year before that, and uh, three and four seasons before. So you are really counting on McCarthy to be smacking the ball around, which he can do with doubles and triples, but the OPS is going to struggle. I think the 769 he had last year could be a high watermark for him, even though he's has numbers that have been in the eights before. It's doubles and triples. So he he's going to need to benefit from uh, teams not shifting from the extra you know few inches on the base side to not being able to throw over as much to be a really good player. He's getting hyped up a lot right now, like he's kind of a top thirty type guy. I don't see the ceiling with McCarthy. Like I got him at forty three. I think that's about as high as he's going to end up on the rankings here. Because yeah, and once, I know. once we get another year through, you know, it's going to opportunities in Arizona could dry up a, a bit sooner. Yeah, I completely agree, and and I I have him back outside of the top fifty. You have him just inside. Like I, the one thing I do like here, and I've, again, he's one of those West Coast guys because I like to watch the late games. Uh, I get to see a bunch of extra at bats. He does grind it a little bit, which you know he certainly gets some favor as a baseball fan, but as a fantasy guy, like I, I just I'm not ready to to say that uh, that's there. The one thing that I find really interesting, Robbie, is he does hit the off-speed stuff okay, right? Like, his batting average uh, last year against the curveball was 483. Yeah, he's he. so remember a few years ago, Ty, when I, I was like, I think Austin Nolan's going to be good because the only thing he doesn't do well is hit a fastball. Yeah, And I was like, what a, what an easy thing to work on, you know, in your offseason. McCarthy is one of those kind of guys where it's like he should just be good. Like, yeah. you know, it's not necessarily that he's going to be terrific, but it's he should be good. And he's going to play this year at 25 which means after five years, which is how we do the dynasty rankings, we base it on five years, eight by eight categories, the standard five run RBIs, home runs, stolen base, and average. We add in the walks, which he's a plus in that category. We add in the OPS, again, where I think he can be fine for you, um, but not elite. And then we count the strikeouts, which he doesn't strike out a dangerous amount. So he well, should be okay. The other thing that's really interesting, though, is like really fell off a cliff at the end of the year, right? So I think... There's there should be a little bump in some of the data, just as an expectation. Like we should see an improvement uh, heading into next year. But I think one of the things that's interesting, he seems to hit the the low like splitters, sinkers, curveballs well. So um, you know that adjustment this year, you know we're really going to want to see how he does against the fastballs up, right? Like that that appears to be something he needs to work on. Um, based on those pitches, like I don't even have the heat maps up in front of me, which you know how I feel about heat. Oh maps. my gosh, you don't have the um, heat maps up? Easy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think that's um, you know an interesting thing, but I do have them up now, and the batted balls by zone not pretty in the upper half of the zone. So I think that that's going to be what you want to look for with Jake McCarthy. If you own him, if you don't own him, what's the adjustment on that top tier of the strike zone? Uh, I think that's going to be the the take here. So getting into the top forty. A uh, guy that everybody thought was a can't miss heading into last year, Riley Green in Detroit. Uh, I th is it safe to say, Robbie, that he was a disappointment last year? Is it that, is. Yes. Say that? Yeah. Yes, we can. Injured yeah, right. in spring training, that dashed the hopes of many 
who said he should be up right away with the team. And then Spencer Torkelson was up with the team. And I'm pretty sure Torkelson was rookie of the year and did all sorts of great things and led Detroit to the play. Oh, no, no, no. He fell flat on his face and he wasn't ready and then went down to AAA and struggled to. I wonder when that was said. Who said that? Who predicted that this was going to happen? I think Gosh. I think you said it, Ty. I'm yeah, pretty sure shocking. it was you. Give it was credit so where obvious. credit is due. It was so obvious. And and like this is the thing. Like Al Avila deserved to get fired. Like you don't ever want to wish for somebody to lose their job, but that that move with one of your top prospect is how you lose your job, ladies and gentlemen. So that that was a dumb one. Uh, Riley Green with five home runs in almost 400 bats is equally as terrible so the introduction of the next wave of talent in detroit did not go well last season uh, heart but, and hustle did not work as that banner remember when that was the jays heart yeah, and, hustle? I hated so and then they did the next year they did heart and hustle 2.0 yeah <laughs> 2.0 yeah Watch somebody out. Got really yeah somebody got really lazy in the marketing department like what yeah. if you just put a two on it Right? Wait, like, the deadline's tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's one of those things. But, like, for me, Riley Green is absolutely a guy that you want to own. And, and f- for sure, a member of... Hello. Is it me you're looking for? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, everybody's down on Detroit right now. And buy on that. And I would say, Ty, if we're if we're going to go and I apologize for the interruption, if we're going to go between, um, you know, where could Riley Green fall? Could Riley Green become Juan Soto? No, I don't think so. But could he become Jared Kelnick? No, I don't think he's going to do the Jared Kelnick average thing because he was still able to have a 250 plus average. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was over 250 last year in you know a couple hundred at bats. And that was in what we'll call a bad stretch. And he also wasn't stealing bases last year. He wasn't doing what made him so exciting in 2021 but it doesn't mean that he can't build into that player it just means that last year was such a cluster for him that he didn't get to do what he does best but at least detroit let him play because he was slapping the ball around enough um yeah, was his like average? He, 253 was his average yeah, yeah he's kyle tucker like that's that's who he is oh okay yeah right that's like that's the comp yep right like so you know, he's not going to blow the doors off anything, but like at the end of every season in his career, you're like, yeah, you know what? That was a heck of a lot better than I thought it was. Um, and that's what Kyle Tucker's done every year. Like he has that beginning stretch where everybody's like, oh, Kyle Tucker's broken. Like, okay, no, just go back to last May and read the article that you just literally probably paraphrased and rewrote for this season. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, these certain trends that you just got to pay attention to, and this is one of them, but Riley Green's going to be okay. Go buy them wherever you can. Uh, you'll thank us later. Next on the list at 39, Harrison Bader. Um, I, you know what? The ego moved to New York. He might have moved to a large T-shirt. I think this is realistic. <laughs> but, but like, he's perfect for New York. Like, yes, he, he just is. is. Uh, he fits the vibe. He he did well in the brief window. Um, even if it was just making the Yankees better and not your fancy team, I think there's still going to be some windfall from that this year. Uh, I'm not ready to bet on him for the long haul. I just don't. I just don't think he's that good. Um, you like him at thirty-three, Robbie. So I'm, I'm going to pause here, and I want to know why you sure. like him that good. I I think we've got enough career left. He'll play this year at twenty-nine, and like you said, it's a positive move to the Yankees for him. Um, this is a player who has yet to have his career year, and he's good enough to be able to have us like a significant jump in his stat line. Career high in runs is sixty-one. He could certainly beat that 
on a good Yankee team. Career high in dingers is 16. That's something he can walk into more of, but he hits a lot of doubles and he wasn't healthy last year to be able to do it. And I think the OPS for him is never going to be 830. You know, I don't think that's his game, but in New York, you know, like Ty, you like to say short porch. Um, you, you could have a guy like Bader who could just make good contact, get a few balls out that wouldn't go out in St. Louis and play great defense. And the fans are going to absolutely love him. Um, I think he could just find himself at home here and that could be such a great fit. And again, RBIs, depending on where they put him in the lineup, he's never been able to be a big RBI guy. Like what's the screw high 50. I think he easily beats that this year. Well, but it's because he always hits at the bottom of the lineup because he's not good enough to hit at the top. Like, I mean, this is the thing that I don't understand. Like the people that are super high on Bader, right? Is that he's going to be a bottom of the lineup guy. He's never going to reach a hundred runs. He's never going to reach a hundred RBIs. Yeah. I'm not not in that conversation either. I'm in the 70, 70 kind of peak, but just like consistency across like that. That's, that's the peak. That's not the standard. But his career highs and hits are just over 70. How's he going to score 70 runs? Like, career he's not on base. year yeah, that's not, what i'm yeah, saying no he's chance. got it he's, in the tank he's got that yeah. in the tank now he like he might have half of a or three quarters of a good season but he's the new aaron hicks in new york there's a new sheriff in town oh yikes like and he's just gonna be a guy that the fans learn to hate like him the yankees have collected a bunch of those guys like you know like well like, the only like, thing aaron hicks did wrong was sign a contract uh for seven years and no, then not be healthy right. for it. No, he did well, that. But, but sorry, right. I mean, yeah. like for the fans to hate him was that he signed this long contract and he's healthy, but he was terrible when he was back. But we're not talking about him anyway. Please continue. I've interrupted the two first guys you mentioned just because I had good points. I will shut up for the next three. Yeah. So we got Nick Castellanos. Let me tell you the thing about Nick Castellanos. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Drive, there's a drive to D flat field. Um, and, you know, right? So the, um, you know, Castellanos, I've got him at 36. I just think he's one of those guys that uh, he's just always going to be there. He's a good hitter. He just is going to be flat, like very much like a JD Martinez. And I know JD had a bad year last year, but you know, just a, a true hitter. And, and I think he's going to have a better power year this year. Not that he's going to be elite power, but that lineup's just too good. And there's going to be a lot of guys on base in front of him. And he's just going to have to hit the ball to right field and, and cash those in. So I liked the situation a lot for Cassianos. And that's a big reason why I have him uh, higher than you, Robbie. Uh, I'm in at 36, right about where you are. You're a little bit further back. You're probably betting on the defensive slide and a little bit of recoil as he gets a little bit older, but which is fair. But I, I'm just not buying that one yet because he's a good hitter. Ahead of declining him, average I, is my only note on him. Decl- like I, I have a fear of a declining average. Yeah, so but the pro- OBP league less so, but he's already not an OBP guy. Yeah, the big problem there for me though is that like he's just been injured the last couple of years. It's not a, it's not that he hasn't hit because he has when he's been healthy. It's just been he's had a couple injuries. Like even last year, took a while to get back up to speed after the injury, but he finished really strong. Right, like everyone, I acquired him in our home league. Some people laughed and I said, wait till the playoffs. Unfortunately, he got hot, like red hot, like two days after I was eliminated. Um, and it fit my strategy. Or just, you know, oh, I got eliminated. that's too bad. Hurt. Yeah, it happens. These things happen. Must have um, been nice to be in the playoffs in the home league. <laughs> yep. No, I'm used to that. So I don't worry about that. Um, but Austin Meadows ahead of him here at 37. I think you're betting on the bounce back here, Robbie. I, you know, I have concerns whether he can hit at all at this point. Um, last year, he was healthy for moments. And he was bad in those moments. So 
I'm betting on that being a little bit closer to the norm because we really only have like a 70 game stretch in his career where he was great. And so I, I'm not ready to keep him in the top tier. I'm not ready to make him an outfielder one and you're not either, but you're getting close. Um, so I have him a little further back at 50 and, and you're much higher. I think the guy ahead of him, I'm in the exact same conversation with Brian Reynolds uh, in Pittsburgh. Like he he's put himself into a really tough situation here because He's made it known he doesn't want to play in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's like, cool, you have a contract. Good luck with you know being pissed off. We don't care. Uh, we need somebody to play every day. And you switch it, and you you know are something that we can use. So we're going to do yeah. that. Um, and, and I think it's going to really hurt his career taking the stance that he did because I think he's going to hang on it. So I'm I'm betting against him a little bit. Uh, you know, don't want to bet against people, but in fantasy, you know, we got to bet on these things. So I'm I'm betting against. The fact that we've already seen Brian Reynolds uh, best year. I feel like he's going to be a change of scenery uh, line improvement and line improvement, meaning we'll see more runs RBIs because he's going to be in better lineups. But again, the the average volatility is certainly scary. I do have him at 26 in my own rankings, which is 10 higher than we had him. Um, and that really has to do with the fact that I'm thinking that change from you know, his team is going to come sooner than later. And I do agree with you on Meadows. I'm absolutely banking on the fact that he's still only 27 and he's got a ton of MLB time and he's already been like a quote disappointing prospect who then, you know, goes to Tampa Bay and everybody all of a sudden like, oh, Tampa Bay stole that Chris Archer trade. Like, look at what they got, you know, an oft injured glass now, a Meadows that they shoved off for Isak Paredes and um whatever else was in that deal or who whoever else uh, but i just think that meadows has something to prove and maybe this is the year he does it and we could see a, a a positive turn for him well and one thing bouncing back to to reynolds that's an interesting thing um you know reynolds in 2021 hit an unsustainable 340 against the fastball do right? you happen to know what his babip was that year i'm just just curious uh i don't know if i have sorry it. yeah sorry give me yeah, I've been doing a lot of prospect diving, and and one of the things I've noticed is that a lot of players that are not on radars, one of the reasons why you can like a guy who has a decent stat line is that they've had low, um, uh, sorry, they have good good OBPs, they've had good averages, and they've had a low Babbitt. And I can so, trust those players more than I can a guy who's got hype and is on lists right now and has been like crushing Babbitt at like, you know, 320 or higher rate. So in his two best seasons, so 2019, he hit 314. And in 2021, he hit 302. The Babbitt was 387 and 345. Yeah. So I, this is like, you know, these are the things like I, I like the regression here. Um, it's probably a little bit better than what I'm expecting, but I'm not willing to pay the upside price for Brian Reynolds in any format. And I think that's really why I'm further back on him is I just, the acquisition cost doesn't make any sense. He doesn't do enough and there's too much risk. Uh, that's just for me. I'm out. Okay. Uh, Brian Reynolds was for the record 21st last year in eight by eight. So um, that's, that's a good year overall. That's, you know, outfield one for us. Anybody in the top 30 is an, an OF one. Uh, we'll see if he can continue that. At 35, we've got Alex Verdugo with Boston. He'll play this year at 26. He's got nobody in his way. Uh, that Mookie Betts trade is, you know, in the past, he's established himself. He's an everyday MLBer, and he's good. Not great. He's good. Um, 
Josh Lowe, Joshua Lowe with Tampa Bay will play this year at 25. He's got a year and change of MLB experience. Everybody was so crazy for him. What, two years ago? Like, you know, he made the team and everything was going to be good. And he is learning curve guy. But with Tampa Bay, we could see some positive things continuing to happen for him, which also goes into the next guy, Dylan Carlson, who will be, he'll start the year 23. I think he turns 24 in season saying that to say he's super young and he'll be into his third MLB year. Um, Ty is definitely banking on the fact that he can grow into be a better player because he's got him ranked 24 spots above where I do. Ian Happ comes in at 32. Steady Eddie, he's going to play this year at 28. Um, he's with the Cubbies. We talked about Cubbies already. And then Brendan Donovan with the Cardinals, teammate of Dylan Carlson, who I think could be a problem for a Dylan Carlson, um, really established himself last year. But one of the things he did that we don't have in the rankings specifically, but certainly helps, is the fact that he can move around the diamond. You know, he's ranked as an outf- or rated as an outfielder through us because that was his dominant position last year. Um, but Donovan can move around and again, youth on his side. He's 25 years old. We've both got him ranked in the 30s. And I think he, in this group, might be the one guy we've got ranked the closest together he is. We only have a six spot difference. Everybody else, one of us is in the 20s. The other person's in the 40s with the player. So um, touch on whoever you wanted to here, Ty. Yeah, like I think Carlson, like for me, there's sometimes like everyone's gotten so attached to the data. Right. And I think there's certain things that you have to pay attention to that aren't that. And one of the things that happened this offseason was there was an obvious scenario for St. Louis to move a Dylan Carlson. Right. They very easily could have made a trade because of the depth they have in their organization. We've talked about this before. Um, and, and for me, the fact that the organization basically said, we ain't doing it, we're just not end the conversation tells me that they know something else right and so is it a hunch sure to some extent it is but again if you're not paying attention um you're you're not really looking because i find it very hard to believe that you're a guy with so much upside just all of a sudden decided to not hit the ball to the like outer parts of the outfield like if you look at his spray chart it's odd like it's it's odd at like i don't know 275 300 it, it just stops Right. It's like that part in Star Wars where they're going through and then all of a sudden the guns stop, you know, <laughs> like no, it's kind of what his straight shirt looks like. Well, it's the nerds out there will appreciate it. So <laughs> I was going to say, no, because I cool for that. I'm working on my truck, which you haven't asked about in a long time. So, well, it's just because I, I get the Instagram updates. I don't need I don't need. I was going to say, let me show you my hand. I got asked at work if I got into a fight with the Dalmatian um, <laughs> because I was painting the axle of my truck with a special rust coating stuff. And the back of my glove was porous, so it all absorbed in. And I didn't realize it until I got some on my face, cleaned my face, looked at my hand, and it was too late. Yep. So well, I mean, I at least your hand is protected from rust now. So you got that going for it, you. That's exactly it. I preserved. <laughs> it's great for the kitchen. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the thing for me is I just, I think for a guy that, you know, we know has some power, 6'2", 205, like we've seen the power. So the power just doesn't disappear. And, and the stats from last year looks like it did. So the the hard hit rate was abysmal. Um, the the exit velocity was brutal. Like And right. as a result, all the power stats were bad. Uh, to me, that just screams injury. Like whether it was like some sort of sports hernia thing or whatever. And, and who knows what, what happened last year. But the, there's no way he's not better this year. And I'm just – I'm going to bet on that. Uh, it's an easy one for me to bet on. 
I'm happy to do it. And I'm happy to debate anybody that wants to go, go into it because I just, I think there's upside here. Um, and again, very similar to Zach Veen. I'm, I'm going to bet on a little bit of um, some of the upside from the lefty, because the one thing that is also evident in the spray chart is hitting the ball to left field as a lefty. So if he was intentionally trying to get on base, because that's what St. Louis wanted him to work on. Well, I mean, if you're taking the right, field mentality away from a power bat on the left side and saying, go hit the ball the other way. Guess what? He's going to hit a lot less home runs. He's going to hit a lot, you know, less balls hard. So I, I'm going to bet on, on the, the rule changes benefiting D- Dylan Carlson here. I, I like that a lot. Uh, jumping in here, we're, we're getting into All some 30. of the higher levels. Um, this, I, outside of one guy, this, this section hurts me to even be responsible for reading this one. Um, <laughs> Christian, Christian Yelich at 30, like what happened to that guy? Just what a bad, you know, story from what was a really promising couple of years. Um, Milwaukee regretting the price that they paid, um, in, in not a lot of ways because they didn't really lose a whole lot in the long run, but they had an MVP season from them. They really shouldn't be complaining if they are, which was wasted. Like, so there's that, right? And so you've got the pitching the wasn't ready at that time, I guess. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, but you have, you have a team that is missing a Yelich, right? It's missing a star and they're paying him like a star and he's not acting like one. That's the problem. Uh, he's still a good player. Like, he's just not a one a, which is what his contract is. And, you know, what's hurting yeah. that team from going and acquiring another one because uh, they're not a big-budget team. So ahead of him, guy that is a stud, uh, Tyler O'Neill, uh, in the aforementioned St. Louis outfield. Again, the only thing stopping him from being productive has been health. So if we get him healthy, he's going to produce. He's going to hit for power. The batting average is going to be better than last year, but maybe not as good as the year before. So keep that in mind. A little bit flatter that way. But the power is still 30, 35. Like that's that's the number we're looking for out of Tyler O'Neill, given we see 550 at bats. So ahead of him at 28. This is a really interesting one for me, Robbie. We're both really close here with Michael Conforto at 28. We're both betting on the bounce back. He took all of last year off. So I think the one thing to flag for me, I'm expecting an absolutely brutal April. Yeah, uh, very slow start expected, especially in San Fran. Like the park's not gonna help. Uh, unless he's unless he's blooping it right get some bloop singles cheap singles whatever you want to call them uh but yeah i'm not expecting like an all-star out of the gate performance yeah and speaking of guys that bloop singles steven kwan's ahead of him uh guy that just slaps the ball real throwback kind of guy on one hand as a as a baseball guy i really like him uh but for fantasy I, I almost exclusively stay away from empty average guys, Rob. Like, and you know this, playing in many yep. leagues with me. I, I don't touch a lot of these guys. Um, I've got them at 48. You've got them at 13. And it really speaks to our strategies being different as well. Uh, so I think that's really what I see here is I'm just not super excited about owning Stephen Kwan. And I don't my, – my question for you mm-hmm. is, yes. is there enough edge statistics, stolen bases, runs, Yes. I'm not even going to say home runs because they're not really realistic. Yeah. Uh, home runs is not his calling card. Um, a shocking stat here. Uh, 89 runs last year for Stephen Kwan. So this is a guy with 168 hits. This is very likely to be what Stephen Kwan does. Somewhere in the 150 plus hit category. And if he's if he's at the top of the lineup and, you know, Ramirez and company are able to slap the ball into, into, into play, He's going to be able to a steal bases because he himself is on base, 
Um, again, this is one of the few guys in MLB last year that had more walks and strikeouts that was a regular guy. 62 walks, 60 strikeouts, 298 average, but only 52 RBIs. Again, like, like Ty said, that's not going to be a, a stat that you want. So I like to add up the runs and the RBIs and call that one category. When I'm looking for a player that's elite, they're they're doing you know they're they're in the 180 plus range that's realistic so we're way down with Stephen Kwan for that but where he's up high is average because he's been doing it consistently as a pro now it's not a long track record because he did miss out on the 2020 season but 18 19 and 20 his lowest or sorry uh, 18 19 and 21 his lowest average was 280 so I do like him for that again it's OBP gold here right like you got a 400 uh slug with them 373 obp in the minors his obp was over 400 i'm just betting on this guy to just like grind it out and if cleveland's good he's going to be good and they were good last year and the stat line was good i would love 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 for him to hit the ball high but I, again i'm going to trade that he had what two dozen doubles every year the lot what do you have 25 doubles last year and in 2019 sorry he had 26 so, so uh, his triple a year he did not but one thing to watch for here and i'm going to pull up the the spray chart while we're sitting here um mm -hmm. that'll be interesting like we've i've talked a couple times already tonight about the lefty benefit in terms of the rules changing now Quan is a guy that just puts the barrel on it like we said a little bit of a throwback we don't see a lot of these kind of guys distributing the ball equally around the field but what's really, really interesting for me, Robbie, is that you've got um, a really interesting spray chart here for him where a lot of his hits are to left field, right? So you've got a guy that clearly played through some shifts last year and, and distributed the ball because the defense let him, right? And I know in the games that I watched him play, they teams were shifting him, and, and I'm not really right. entirely sure why because he shredded them. Um, and you can see that the infield uh, or the infield outfield splits indicating up the middle to left field is really where he lives. So as you redistribute that infield this year, I'm really interested because there's a, a very significant amount of his, his hits were just right of second base. So it'll be interesting to see um, if teams shift them up the middle still and how they kind of go about playing some of that defense. This for me, and this is one thing I, I think you might see this year, um, on especially on guys like this, you might see the old so softball rule here where you start seeing the center fielder creep in or because yeah, they don't have to worry about it going over his head. Yep. Correct. So Possibly. like we have we haven't seen a lot of that lately because we haven't had a lot of guys with this profile. Um, but the old the old infield in this guy this guy sucks, everybody move in. Right, like you know, like, you that know, is like, the line. That is exactly the line. But like, if you don't have it up and in, for those that are listening, like just pull up the spray chart. It is even more odd than the Dylan Carlson. So, left of right center field, there's one ball that got hit further than 285 feet. One. And where would someone pull up that spray chart, Ty? Just if uh, they're wondering. Baseball Savant is a really easy one. Um, All right, Baseball Savant, not a sponsor. Yep. yet yeah <laughs> so i i just think this is one that like i'm there's only a handful of guys that i would put into this this particular part of the conversation um could be a major deficit with the the shift changes here uh it'll just be a really interesting thing to see what they do because you know the other part of of the shift that nobody ever thinks about is that when you play everything to the right side 
your left fielder has to give a little bit of give in left field to cover off the center fielder shifting to cover off that stuff. So some guys that lift it to left center and they, they kind of counter shift, but this is a really interesting one. And I like, we're getting a little long on this one, but it's because it's such an interesting profile uh, that I I think there's going to be a bit of a funky pattern for him this year is what I'm suspecting. Okay. That's fair. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll cut in on your last guy here because it's Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah. And we know what he is uh, yep. and it's hurt. But when he's not, he's helping you. So it, this is, we, we've done this every flipping year. Uh, we've done the podcast with Stan. We just don't know where in the hell to rank him because it's up to his, his physical health where he finishes. Because um, we know power's there. Uh, we know OVP's there. The average has been tanking and, uh, shouldn't say taking the average has not been what we want but we know what he is when he's healthy so invest based on your roster construction uh don't over invest on stanton yeah i will say i'm expecting at least one more stolen base than he had last year because he had oh yeah i was gonna say he has zero perfect (laughs) Um, all right so at 25 here we've got uh oft injured but long contract extension byron buxton with minnesota He'll play this year at 29, and then uh, when he's hurt, he'll sit this year at 29, and uh, he'll recover this year at age 29, and he'll disappoint fantasy owners at age 29. So, uh, Adolis Garcia with Texas. Congratulations, Adolis. You are a good MLB outfielder. I like what you're going to do, and in Texas, you're going to get a lot of runs, RBIs, uh, keep stealing bases and hitting you know, over 260, much, much love. Corbin Carroll with Arizona. Really, really uh, quick, though. Can we just go yeah. back? Um, who had more home runs last year, Dolis or um, who was the one we just talked about? Buxton, uh, Adolis. Nope, Buxton. How many did Buxton have? 28. Oh, really? What was Garcia? Was he 26, 27? 27. Yeah, so okay. just edge him out. But the big yep. bump for Garcia is that he had the runs in the RBIs to go with it because and st- how many stolen bases did Garcia 25. have? Yeah, 25. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he, he's go. a stat machine. Like uh, you, yes. you gotta like Garcia. I, I, for me, the only the only concern I have with Garcia, uh, really, is that we've seen this with guys like this before. They come out of nowhere to be a great player like this, and then they go away just as fast. That's the only thing that scares me with Garcia. It's not what we've seen. It's not what he is right now. It's just that there's other guys that have fit that profile that scares me. I think we need to call it the Scooter Jeanette syndrome. No, uh, he's better than that. No, he's better than that. Well, but Scooter Jeanette came out of nowhere and was like uh, an all-star, very successful guy. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Garcia is going to be fine. Corbin Carroll is, I believe, our highest ranked prospect. He darn well better be. Um, and he's coming in at 23 for us. We both said, be careful, everybody. The The power is not what everyone wants it to be with Corbin Carroll. And I think he's still going to be able to create a ton of stats without having you know the uh, like the 30 home run type season now if he does we could be talking you know a top seven eight type guy here but if you've got adolis garcia ranked at 24 and he was the fifth best guy in eight by eight last year um corbin carroll being at 23 is high praise for us at 22 teoscar hernandez now with seattle um he will play this year at age 30 last year was not his best year and he was going to cost a bunch of money that toronto wanted to invest in some crappy pitching so they moved him out uh oscar gonzalez is in at 21 with cleveland and he very much like stephen kwan is an up and out of an i'll say nowhere guy and if you don't believe me 
Um, just try to find things on him before last year. We had him ranked, I think he was like 130th or something like that in our, our rankings. He was really just a, a guy, a flyer at that point in time last year within the Cleveland system. And I mean, if you've been listening to us for any length of time, you know how much we crapped on Cleveland's inability to develop an outfielder. Like I'm currently crapping on Colorado for the same thing. And I would love to be wrong on Colorado. Like I was on Cleveland because now they've got two pretty good looking starting outfielders that are under the age of 25. Um, Gonzalez to his credit has been a consistent 300, uh obp type guy not a not a great one not a not a bad one the average consistently in the upper 200s you know i think what's his professional low uh outside of 15 is rookie years professional low is 283 season way back in 17 um he's he's but good think, he's, but i think oscar grew into his body a little bit too i think that's the other part 31 dingers in 2021 yeah. absolutely yeah. not at the pros last year he had a combined 20 but um we should see him just be a good consistent outfielder MLB. Yeah. Well, and, and there's a couple here that I, in the last group there, um, Carol, my fear with Carol, and it's still my fear with Carol is that he's Manuel Margot. And, uh, and that's not to say that's necessarily bad. It's more to say like, listen, he's just not as good as everybody wants him to be. Um, and so like, that's, that's the tag I have on Carol. Like for me, if I was picking an outfielder in Arizona, I'd be picking out Thomas. That's my guy there. If I'm picking one, um, Teoscar for me, I'm really concerned by the power, right? Like Teoscar's become a good hitter. We talked about this in the last episode. Uh, as he takes way, way, way better at bats than he ever did when he first got to Toronto. Uh, he's become a really good at bat. But it, what was really missing last year was the pull power. It just disappeared. Mm. It was gone. He hit some balls really, really hard to center field that were no doubters and it was still the same power, but the inability to turn on the ball. Um, it's almost like that ball to right field philosophy that the Jays have been using impacted him negatively. And so that's the one flag I have on Teoscar and that's, you know, he's in, he's in your neck of the woods now, Robbie in Seattle. So it's not even a Homer comment, but you know, it's watching him last year. Like I was really concerned in the lack of power to left field because a guy that, spent the previous years like just with some enviable home runs uh that kind of went away yeah i mean he still finished the year with 25 the previous year 2021 was his career high with 32 um but the 30 point average drops concerning the 30 point obp drops concerning and the fact that like he did happen to steal 12 bases two years ago and it dropped to six those are all just the bonus things right that's not what he's supposed to do he's supposed to steal you six so, well, and, and, the, and the thing is, he's moving to a bad ballpark in in a, a you know um, in in a bad climate, right? Like he was in a dome, balls fly out really easy in Toronto. But like again, like look, and I'm stuck on spray charts tonight. But you know, there's a real lack of distribution in the deeper parts of the field. Again, it's either singles or home runs. Now, there's oh no no no, Ty, he had 35 doubles last year. I get it. I'm just saying, like, I'm looking at the spray chart. Like, there, there is a gap between this, right? So he has more than enough power to hit it out in Seattle. Like, that's not an issue, right? And and there is still home runs to left field. I'm just saying the balls that were hit to left field were not what they've been in the previous years. And, like, looking at these stats, looking at the edges, like the exit velocities and the max velocities and the hard hit rates, like, 
everything's in the upper percentiles. Like like he's 96 exit, uh, 98 hard hit, uh, 94 max exit. Uh, his woba's good. His slug's good. His ex slug. His barrel rates are good. Everything says he should do more this year. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you there was an eye test that doesn't match this data. That's what I'm trying to communicate, right? Okay. So, um, I just it, that it, I watch a lot of the Jays, so you know I don't I don't see I, that. But get, but, I don't think anybody here knew that. No, well I you mean are, it's just you and me. So you are a Jays fan. Yeah, <laughs> it's just you and me. There are people <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> no, I meant in here. There's there's, there's no oh like amongst the right yeah. So, yeah I okay, that's most people's bedtime. But the uh, the reality is here. Next section, we're into the top twenty. We got Cody Bellinger, like for me, one of my favorite bounce back candidates. I've got him at 20. I still believe in Bellinger. He was awful last year, but yet still had some good numbers, right? And and for me, that's I'll bet on these guys all day, every day. And I don't know that you know a, a two-time MVP can be Hello. It's me. But I'm gonna go there. He totally fits post type. Like people only want him as a bounce back. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly like I, I, I would invest in him longer. I'm surprised nobody threw him more money this year to get him off a one year deal. Uh, oh, I'm I, sure I, they I, did, but I'm sure it was probably like two year, twenty three, twenty five. I'm just surprised kind of we didn't see a Correa level like. Oh, like that. Oh, kind of, I don't. Like, there's too no, no, many. No, I mean, I mean legs. the previous one. No, 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 I mean the previous one. Like, like the, the one three year, like hundred million. Yeah, like you've got something that can extend, and like, and for Bellinger, like, you know, he could be a huge, like, huge, huge piece for a new organization. Um, I'm just shocked there wasn't that. Like, if he thinks he's getting a Tatis or a, you know, a Bogarts or one of those longer, oh, that ship Yeah, like that's what I mean. So I'm just shocked that the amount of people that wanted a left-handed bat that can play good defense at center, you know, worst case he moves to first base, like. I'm shocked that there wasn't more money thrown at him to get a multi-year deal. So that's the interesting thing there. Um, Cedric Mullins uh, is a guy that just continues to outproduce, I think, most people's expectation. Good stat distribution across multiple categories. So he's going to help you in a lot of spots. Like I, I think going back to Corbin Carroll, I think a lot of people would be happy if Corbin Carroll becomes Cedric Mullins, right? I yeah. think that's oh, yeah, right. Yeah, like yeah. that would 30, be an ideal season. per Exactly, right? That would be great production. I don't think he'll get there. Um, um, <laughs> Starley Marte, Carroll the next gap, would be a great example of Corbin Carroll's ceiling, right? A good Marte season for Corbin Carroll would be amazing. Yeah, and I, and I think that, you know, even the next guy in, in Brandon Nimmo would fit that as well and maybe is maybe the best of the group there, uh, realistic targets uh, for, for uh, Carroll. But I, I don't like this group here, Robbie, outside. Like, I like um, my guy at 20 here, Co- Cody, uh, and I love, love Eloy at 16. Um, and, I, and I think people have forgotten how much power this guy has. Yes. Like, I just think they've completely forgot that there's there's only a handful of guys in the whole league that can hit 50 home runs. Eloy's one of those guys. Um, and, and I'm not saying he's going to do that. I'm just saying he's capable of it. And there, there might be four or five guys that are capable of it, and you can kind of list them off. Uh, but Eloy is certainly one of those guys and he's got the ballpark. He's got a team around him that can do it. Um, so I, I think that a lot of things there, like I've got him at 13, Robbie, you're, you're still good at 24, mm-hmm. but I, I just think people have bumped him out. They're like, Oh, listen, Lou Bob's better, you know, therefore Eloy sucks. Well, they can both be really good. Right. Like, yeah. The, the issue in my mind, Ty is it's just health. 
he hasn't been able to be healthy. And when he is, he is so impactful. He is very yeah. much like a Stanton, but he is years younger. Like what Stanton's age here? So Eloy's going to play this year at 26, and Stanton is 12 years, no, six years older. It was close. Math, not my forte. But Kia, Kia Forte, not a sponsor. Yeah. Yet. Uh, anyway, so yeah, of this group here, Bellinger, Mullins, Marte, Nemo, Jimenez, best ceiling, highest ceiling for me is hands down uh, Eloy Jimenez. Yeah. The guy that everybody wants to be the best in this group is Cody Bellinger. That's like industry wide, fantasy, you know, community wide. The guy who's probably going to be the best in this group is Cedric Mullins. Um, and I, I and and otherwise, I think it's going to be Nimmo, but no one's going to be cool with that. We just know Marte is going to age out, right? He's 34 and the oldest in this group. Nimmo's 30 um, and signed the big deal with the Mets. But, but which here's is the great thing. for him. Like for me, I, I think it's Eloy running away. And, and, and I, I hope it is. That, well, I mean, here's the thing he had 300 at bats last year. He hit 295. His OPS mm-hmm. was 858. And he hit 16 home runs. So he just like, needed he, 200 more at bats. That's the problem. Yeah, 100%. And, and keep in mind, like, and, I, and I'm going to pull it up really quickly while we're rambling on. I want to see what the first like 40 game at bats were, right? Like I want to see the progression of the home runs, right? So like in April, he like had injury. Yeah, he had one home run. In July, when he came back, he had four home runs, right? So in two of the, the four months that he played, he had what did I say, five of his 16, right? So that's really not that unreasonable. But at the same time, like the the power is going to be there here like and it's going to be really really strong but if you look at what he did in september we got one two three four five six seven eight home runs right that's eloy so if you now give me eight months of eight home runs well guess what that's an mvp season right so uh, are we going to get eight home runs every month probably not but you know we're probably average five or six every month and and that's going to get him into the the top tier so i i just i'm going to bet on him all day every day yeah, I mean, with health, absolutely. I just think in your dynasty leagues, you might be at the point. Maybe this is the only off season where whoever has him might consider if you come with a healthy, fair offer to start with. You don't try lowballing. You you try seeing what you think fair value is. Um, so now we're into the top fifteen, and I'll I'll go through them quick, and then we can really get into fun conversations here. At fifteen, we have Randy Arizarena. Uh, established himself a few years ago. He's he's been good and consistent. Tampa Bay is good. He's good. Terrific. Uh, Kyle Schwalba. This is so league dependent. How much you like Kyle Schwalba? Because he could be a top thirty guy in an eight by eight, and he's got an average just piddling over two ten, whatever it was last year, two eighteen, something like that. Uh, but he's just mashing balls. You know, runs RBIs. That's his game. OBP. He's your boy, uh, and he's on a stacked Philly team. Uh, George Springer, he's probably going to bat, and I'm just guessing here, 266 this year because he's been like 265, 267, 260, something else the last three years. He's going to get hurt and piss you off for four weeks <laughs> and then be brought back slowly, and it's going to be talking about how he's going to this, he's going to that. Just remember, everybody's age 33 season here. He's going to be slowing down more than he's going to be speeding up, but he's still super consistent and a great player. With health, yeah, he'd be higher up for sure. I'm actually uh, going to go the other way a little bit here, Robbie, on him. Like, I think that's going to help him because I think they're going to move him to right. I think he's going to run less on the bases. I think mean, he's going to get hurt less. Uh, I, I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm willing like to Varsho on, and Kiermaier center field. 
Well, he's not playing center field. Like they, they you don't you don't bring in Varsho and Kiermaier for Springer to stay in center field. Right. That's just yeah. a fact. Right. Yeah, that's fair. And and Kiermaier's getting real MLB money, right? Seven mil or yeah. something like that. So that's starter type money is what sorry, what I meant. Okay. Well, that might be a, a bonus for Springer. But again, a guy that can get hurt, you know, doing anything, you never know. Uh, at 12 is grossly out where he should be. Michael Harris with Atlanta, who had one hell of a 2022 debut. He was also dynamite elite in 2021. And the lineup is just going to keep him locked and loaded for years to come. At number 11, some people are going to say this is not right. Kyle Tucker with Houston. He'll play this year at 26. He's great. Um, he does all the things, but it's a five-year dynasty ranking, and we don't know if Houston's going to have competitive seasons in 2025 and six and seven, and that's part of the ranking, and that could hurt him. Um, as the you know, Abreu disappears or possibly gets worse, the Altuve's, you know, we'll see what's up with Houston. You know, so that's the only where thing he I'll falls. say is like they've got pitching still coming, like. I, I think they're going to be competitive. Um, I think yeah. I think they can replace. Like they've got core guys in Alvarez and Tucker. As long as they lock those guys in, as the other contracts run out, I think they'll be fine. Um, so, but yes, I, I it's certainly worth noting as a concern. But the big thing, back to back thirty home run seasons, right? Quietly, yeah. right? Well, he and, was the number and, two guy in eight by eight last year, right? Schwarber yeah. was number six. Arizona was number nine, and none of these guys made our top ten. Yep, wild, crazy. <laughs> so heading into the top 10, uh, Lou Bob, who had a, an off season last year uh, with, with the injuries. Right. And, you know, that's certainly something that uh, allows for poor analysis by a lot of people. And, and especially in your deeper uh, turnover leagues, like you might've had somebody that's a Lou Bob owner. Uh, that's Lee Robert for those of you that don't know the Lou Bob handle. Um, but, you know, there's, there's an opportunity here where somebody had a really awful season. They're breaking apart their team. You've got an age 25 player who has the potential to also fit into that MVP category with Eloy uh, and, and countless other players from other teams. But, you know, the previous 2021, 13 bombs in just 275 at-bats with a 340 average. So the big thing here with, with Robert is the injury bug, right? Like, we haven't seen a season here where he's been north of 400 at-bats. So last year was close, uh, but... You know, we only saw the 12 home runs with an extra 100 at bats, so he had less in more bats last season. That's certainly concerning, uh, in terms of a top 10 talent. But I think if you've watched him long enough, you know the upside's there, and I think that's where the ranking comes from. Jazz Chisholm is a guy that Robbie's all over entering this year. Move to center field is going to be awesome for him, um, in terms of playing time. It will be interesting, and the thing that we haven't seen this a lot recently, Robbie, like this conversion of a of a top yeah. tier guy to center at the pro level. I'm really interested to see what it does for his legs, right? Like, is that going to impact his power? You know, I don't think it's necessarily going to impact his stolen bases per se, but I am curious to see what it does to the power because, you know, that's something that can deteriorate a little bit when you're constantly running uh, and, and doing those sort of things like that could, could be there. So, Next on the list, uh, I have this guy at number two, Robbie, and this is where we get into a little bit of fun in the top ten here because this, this, these are your MVP candidates. Like this whole list of the top ten, these guys are all elite. So any of these guys theoretically could be number one. Um, I got Jordan, my boy, at number two. You've got him at six. Both reasonable spots. He, he lands on our average structure uh, at number eight. This guy for me is just the most balanced hitter of this group. 
I think he hits the ball to all fields. And I still think we haven't seen anywhere close to his best power season. So I'm betting on that moving forward. I'm saying 40 home runs this year. Uh, that's that's where I'm at. So ahead of him, Mookie Betts. I've got him at four, Rob. You got him back at 10, which I find interesting. I mean, I'd love to get your thoughts on why you got him at 10. Uh, Mookie just does it all and plays great defense. So he's run out there every day. Power definitely took a back turn last year. I think we'll see a little bit of a bump this year. Uh, not quite to the 30 home run totals we were seeing uh, in previous seasons, but I still like him for 20 to 25 regularly. The runs, the RBIs, the walks are going to be there. So I like that one. Uh, rounding out this group here is Mike Trout. I've got him at five. I mean, he quietly had a great season, even though everyone's like, ah, oh, his career's over. He's he's going to have to sell subs at Subway again. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, like it's just, you know, he hit 40 home runs last year and nobody's talking about it. Like nobody's even mentioned his OPS was 999. And everyone's like, ah, oh, Mike Trout's, he's old news. Like he's still like one of the best players in the league by a significant margin. And and nobody's giving him credit where credit's due. So that's that's a tough section, Robbie. What what do you want to go into on that one? Well, first off, uh, talk about not giving Mike Trout his due respect. I didn't even capitalize his last name Trout. Wow, lowercase T for me. Um, but yeah, I think well, Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts is very good. Thirty five dingers last year. But here's here's the concern: tie two sixty nine average, and um. What was his runs? 117. We're not going to see 117 runs this year. Why? Because the Dodger lineup is in massive flux right now. Yeah. And when we see a year or two of downturn where they're trying to give it bats to like, you know, Trace Thompson, is he is he a real guy? Like, I'd love Trace Thompson to be a 30-plus home run. We talked about on the last one, to become one of those guys. James Elman, I'd love for him to become one of those guys. Uh, but we don't know that either are going to do anything. And we don't know what Gavin Lux is really going to do. And we don't know what Chris Taylor can really do. And typically... With the Dodgers, you don't know, don't care because they get it done. Well, that's going to reach a point where they you, they just don't do it. And that's where I think Mookie Betts is going to fall back. And that's, I mean, again, we're ranking him 10th or I'm ranking him 10th. He's not being ranked 30th when he was the second, third best guy last year in 8x8. Eight eight. So that's that's the big one on that one. Um, but for me, really, like with with Trout, it's it's he's 32 and the, Do the, sorry, the Angels just like keep on not getting it done. Could it all come together? Of course it could. Like Mike Trout's amazing, elite, whatever. Uh, will injuries take a toll? Yes. Is is there a time you can acquire him? Yes, it's right now. You know, Mike Trout is going to be easier to acquire this offseason for a somewhat reasonable return. He finished 15th last year in 8x8. So depending on your league format, he's probably somewhere around that too. Um, if you're not counting OPS, I'm sure he's not ranked nearly as high. Uh, just because his OPS was so good, like Ty mentioned. So you, you've you got the ability maybe to acquire him and in, enjoy it, um, but I don't think we're going to see five years of eliteness, and that's why, for me, Trout is at eight and Betts is at 10. I mean, it's a changing of the guard in some respects, and I, I I've got a few. Go ahead. One thing, one thing really quick on Trout. The one thing that I think is interesting for me, though, is I think you're going to shift away from the 20 stolen bases with Trout and into the 45 to 50 home runs category. Like, I, I just think that's the, the way his body's shifting. I think they're going to move him out of center, which is obvious to keep him healthy. I think that's going to be the big shift there is we're just going to have a slugger instead of the speed, you know, five-category guy that we had in his MVP years. Well, former teammate of his, I think, I think they did roll over teammates. Vernon Wells was playing center field until Mike Trout was his teammate. Mm -hmm. I believe that's yep. correct. 
Um, so, you know, it, it happens not that he was some elite guy at all times, but Vernon Wells still had a very good major league career, not to the Mike Trout level, of course, but anyway. very, sim- very similar body profiles though. great comp in terms of defense. Yep. yep. Players that just got it done, you know, multi gold glove winner and uh big bomber. Anywho, top five here, Ty Aaron judge comes in at, at number five. No surprise to anybody. He was number one by a mile last year for outfielders. Uh, when healthy, this 30 year old is going to mash baseballs and that that's that, um, number four, uh, welcome to the, the top tier Julio Rodriguez. He was supposed to do it. He came in and he did it last year. So, uh, we both think that there is massive ceiling for Rodriguez and we talked about it in April, how he wasn't getting good strike calls and things like that. You know, Ty, you did a deep dive in one of our episodes in season, which is why it's always a great idea to stick with dingers through your fantasy baseball season. Um, and we saw brighter things ahead and we think that's going to happen here. Uh, the biggest difference we have here uh, with the top five is right here, right now. Number three, Ronald Acuna Jr., the 25-year-old. You've got as number seven, I've got at number one. We had the same conversation last year, so I don't think we need to get into the, the details of it, but I am giving credit to stolen bases and the fact that in the format of 8x8, I feel like you don't. And that's where Acuna becomes the, the the kicker is that he can provide something that the top two guys can't. And that's why he is where he is for me. So, and, and for me, like finish off the top two and then I, the, the debate oh, okay, needs sure. all of them to, to get into it properly. Okay, okay. So at number two is uh, Philadelphia Philly, Bryce Harper, who what I'm, I think, I think he was 26 last year. I was just trying to figure it out. No, 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 no. He played last year 20. Sorry, he'll be 29 this year. But what I'm saying is that um, he was the 26th ranked guy last year and he missed a bunch of time. That's what it was. So he was really good, missed a bunch of time and then fell back in the pack. And then at number one for Dingers is Juan Soto now with San Diego. And uh, in two years, I think, right? Yeah. In two years, we'll see where he is next off season. One year, yeah, that's that's how time works. So anyway, top five is Judge Rodriguez, Acuna, Harper, Soto. I mean, you could put him in any order. We put him in, you know, five, four, three, two, one, and with Judge through to Soto. Ty, you object to Acuna. You don't think he's a top five guy? Explain yourself. Just the strikeouts with uh, decreasing stolen bases. Like for me, it's just the trend on a five-year uh, analysis here. He could be great this year. That's entirely possible. He could steal forty bases. That's entirely possible. By the end of five years, I don't think he's going to steal those bases and the strikeouts and therefore batting average are going to hurt you on the other side. So I'm just balancing that out because okay. if you're like, oh, I hit 30 home runs, cool. He stole 30 bases, cool. He hit for 260, okay, right? Like I'm just concerned that he he people aren't recognizing the realities here. Very similar to what we just talked about with Trout, right? The difference here is that Trout never really had a devastating knee injury, Right. And so those things change these trajectories. And I think that's something that, you know, people don't realize. Like, I would say the same thing about a Tatis, who probably should be in this top five as well, now that he's kind of an outfielder. Um, and maybe next year he'll be in this top five. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's probably going to hit five to ten less home runs because of shoulder, right? Like, that's kind of the similar comparable that I think people can understand. Um, whereas Harper and Soto, for me, it's simple. I know what they're going to be like Soto didn't hit particularly great last year, but still carried an extremely high value 
because he does the other things really well. Like Acuna just has the lowest floor, and I ranked him accordingly. It's that simple for me. All right. Well, I said my piece. You said your piece. We've done 110 outfielders. And what we're going to do with the next episode is talk about the guys that are outside. And one thing I think I'd love to do, Ty, open it up to you, the listener, is to throw some names at us of guys, outfielders, any position player, because we have just not covered pitching yet. Throw some position players, outfield specific, that you would like us to discuss in that next episode um, who do you think we need to talk a little bit more about? What name did you hear that we didn't do a deep dive on that you want us to cover between now and spring training? And if we don't throw it into that uh, third outfield episode, because my God, there's over 600 names in the outfield. Um, so maybe we're not going to get to every guy if your guy's the second baseman. Um, but, you know, give us the names at Dingers Pod on Twitter, and we are more than happy to sort it out on an upcoming podcast. But, Ty, yeah, we'll go outside the top 110, and we'll have to, you know, pick pick our poison here, guys that might be comfortably inside on other people's lists but are nowhere near for us, and maybe we'll have to justify some of those rankings, but also um, we're, we're stating claims, right? We, a lot of these guys are going to be up-and-comers, and I look forward to this episode almost more than the first two <laughs> yeah well this is where you fill out your roster so yeah um <laughs> fill out my roster my core guys are in this ranking that's, here. <laughs> that, that's what i meant yeah like yeah uh, i meant fill this out the is my spot. roster yeah yeah like, yeah yeah my bench so, is all the old men right my bench is old guys who don't have a hope of a full season it's uh right. yeah it's it's this range so yeah like robbie said please hit us with kind of some mailbag questions if you got any in the deep 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 confines of outer space that is the rest of the outfield prospects so happy to do it and until next time it's been tyler rob here on dingers